constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. Sports talk without all the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta. Check out our website, btgprogram.com, or give us a follow on Twitter or a like on Facebook, at BTG Programs. No, there's no plural, just at BTG Program. Why did I throw an S in there? I don't know. Are we adding another program that I don't know about? Wow. The NBA All-Stars are set. The NBA All-Star rosters are set, I should say, and as is now customary, as soon as the final names were announced a week or so ago, media outlets raced each other to be the first to let you know (laughs) who they thought was the biggest and most obvious snub in a league full of stars, and one might argue a growing list of stars, even if they are bunched up on a handful of teams. There are only so many All-Star roster spots. You can't take them all somebody's going to be left out. And this year, more than others that I can recall, players themselves have been more vocal about being left out, which I get it. I suppose I want my team's players to want to be there. I want them to have that fire that makes them want to be among the league's very best. But doesn't it just seem a little bit like whining when they complain about it? It kind of does. Going over a list of snubs, though, for a radio show or a TV show, it's not interesting to me. Every other show is doing the same thing. Who is the biggest snub? So you will not hear it on this show. Who do I take off? Mm-hmm. That's more interesting to me. When I used to coach baseball, there were always parents who felt it was their duty to tell me how their kid should be starting or how their mm-hmm. kid should be playing more or playing a different position, to which I would ask them, okay, who do I take out to put your kid in? And invariably, the answer almost always was, I don't know, but my kid should play more. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, that backfire. I mean, I get some parent who was more than happy to tell me which other kid should be benched <laughs> so that their kid could play. The sad thing is usually those are the parents whose kid has no interest in being there, but the parent is pushing him because the parent is living vicariously through the kid. Yeah. Sad note this week, former New York Yankee, longtime major leaguer Oscar Gamble passed away mm-hmm. this past Wednesday History had sort of relegated Gamble to be a very underrated player. But this was a very good player. This is a guy that played 17 seasons, had two stints with the Yankees, hit over 200 home runs. If if you don't remember his name, you probably remember his picture. Oh, yeah. With that oversized afro. And one of the best quotes ever when he was talking about the old Bronx Zoo days of the Yankees clubhouse. They don't think it be like it be. But it do. (laughs) Gamble was uh, just a terrific player, 68 years old. Sad to hear that he passed away. Coming up on today's show, it is Super Bowl weekend, and we have plenty of football to talk about. The New England Patriots are almost every year, it seems like they're there, and they don't always have the most talent, in my opinion, but they have a system for success that it can't be ignored. The church has a proven model for success as well, if only people 
would follow that plan. Plus, there's a big trade in the NFL this week. Kirk Cousins is free. And Alex Smith is the new man in Washington. Cousins is hitting a market at what seems like the perfect time, as there are a number of teams who will be vying for his services. I imagine he will be rewarded generously for sticking it out and not compromising and signing a contract with the Redskins for less than he felt he deserved. We'll talk about compromise some and the rewards that come with holding firm to our beliefs. Zach has new shenanigan statements. We'll look back at this week's athletic happenings at Roberts Wesleyan College in the Red Hawks recap. And, of course, we'll tell you what it is that we like this week. That's all coming up. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game Show. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, mythical monsters, murder whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Along with Zach Valletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is Beyond the Game program, recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. Follow us on Twitter at BTG Program or visit our Facebook page at BTG Program. At our Facebook page, you can see videos of past segments of our shows and past interviews. At our website, btgprogram.com, you can find past all our past broadcasts. You can also find information about us, about what the show is about. You can also subscribe to the podcast version of this show if you want to have it downloaded to your device. People all around the world doing that. In fact, last week, Zach, there was an uptick in the downloads in Great Britain. A significant uptick of last week's show. Not really certain why. They're just drinking tea and listening to great sports programming. Maybe you're right. We'll put our spotlight, though, on Decatur, Alabama, where listeners also downloaded last week's program. Decatur is the home of one of the great one of our country's great 4th of July celebrations, the Spirit of America there in Decatur, Alabama. Dallas Cowboys linebacker Rolando McCain went to high school in Decatur. San Diego Chargers quarterback Philip Rivers, born in Decatur. The late Gordon Terry, member of the Grand Ole Opry and the Fiddler's Hall of Fame. Now, I'm sure you don't know who he is, and unless you're a huge country music fan, huge bluegrass fan, you wouldn't know who he is, but you would recognize some of his recordings. He recorded with Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Neil Young, many, 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 many others. Elvis Presley. But I know you're not a country music fan, but I do know you're a metal fan. You may be familiar with Christian metal band 
Mortal Treason. Ever hear of them? Their lead guy, Seth Kimbrough, who, by the way, is also a BMX rider. He wow. was from Decatur, Alabama. Lucas Black, who who plays Agent LaSalle on NCIS New Orleans, also born in Decatur. Many, many other fine, upstanding, good-looking people from Decatur, <laughs> Alabama. We thank you all for listening, and wherever it is that you're listening from today, we're glad to have you along. It was just a week ago or so, I suppose, during our shenanigans statement, we were talking about whether or not the Bills should trade for quarterback Alex Smith. And while we both agreed that it would be a decent idea if they didn't give up much for him, well, I guess the point is very much moot now that the Kansas City Chiefs have dealt him to the Washington Redskins. Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't have that Bills question in the notes for this week. <laughs> kind of a stunning deal, don't you think, during the Super Bowl? That's typically yeah. when the league is quiet about these sorts of things. They, they like to focus to be on the game. They like to focus to be on the two teams. And I suppose it was also surprising because it really was so soon after the conclusion of the regular season. Usually they wait further into the offseason before they get into these things. But I like the trade. I think this is one of those deals that works for everybody. Mm -hmm. I like it for Washington since it was apparent Kirk Cousins was not committing there long term without getting yeah. the big money that he wanted. And they were simply never going to give that to him. I like it for them, at least for the short term, gives them an opportunity to have a, a quality quarterback until they figure out what it is they want to do. Not that I value Smith all that much over Cousins, but apparently they do. I thought they, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what they see in Alex Smith that they didn't see in Kirk Cousins, but there is something there. And I think, as I said, this is one of those things where everybody wins. Kirk Cousins obviously wins. He's going to hit the market at a really at a great time when mm -hmm. there's so many teams looking for quarterbacks. I think the Chiefs win and getting Kendall Fuller, that's a really nice move for them. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes wins, who's going to get to be the guy in Kansas City. And I think Alex Smith wins because the Redskins gave him a lot of money. Four years, $96 million, 70 of which is guaranteed. That's a lot of money. That was the strange part of this deal for me is that, you know, if they had given uh, Kirk Cousins the deal that he probably deserved a couple of years ago instead of messing around with this franchise tag thing the last couple of seasons, they could have had him under contract for probably the same amount of money, except he's four years younger and has had better statistical seasons than Alex Smith. It, that was a bit of a head-scratcher that they're willing to give that much money to like a 34-year-old Alex Smith and not a younger guy in Cousins, but, you know, that's what they wanted to do. So well, we were talking in terms of the Bills. I said I, I'd like to see him in Buffalo. I think that would solve their problems short-term until they can figure out a long-term solution, but I don't look at Alex Smith as a long-term solution. No, you know the so I'm looking at this Redskins contract in the first couple of years, fine, but I wonder if they won't regret that a little bit come year four, maybe even year three, when you got a quarterback who's guaranteed seventy million over the four. That's a big cap hit in those years. When I I don't know what he'll be like, but did you see this list of quarterbacks Andy Reid has traded away? With, and once they, he trades more, these are guys that are, are were known quarterbacks with a lot of upside when he played for Andy when they played for Andy Reid. But once they got traded away, they were essentially never heard from again. He got second round picks in separate deals for both AJ Feely 
And Donovan McNabb, who, by mm-hmm. the way, traded also to Washington, he got a second-round pick and Dominique Rogers-Cromartie for Kevin Cobb. And now he gets a third rounder and Kendall Fuller, who's a very nice player for Alex Smith. So going by that history, the Redskins may regret it if Smith ends up going the way of Kevin Cobb, A.J. McFeely, uh, A.J. McFeely, (laughs) A.J. Feely. I've got hamburgers on my mind. They They may regret this trade after the second year, the Redskins. Alex Smith's a good quarterback. He's going to be okay there, but I mean, when you look at all the young quarterbacks that they could have had in this draft that are going to be starting for teams around the league, you wonder if they're going to have buyer's remorse on like the then 36-year-old Alex Smith that's getting like $25 million a year. There were some humorous tweets in the moments following the trade. I don't know if you were following this. Robert Griffin III said, somehow, some way." They will blame this on me, no doubt. (laughs) I saw that and rolled my eyes. And then apparently the the Redskins didn't have enough class to let Fuller know, and he found out via social media. Yeah. In quoting Adam Schefter's tweet, which identified Fuller as having been included in the trade, Fuller said this at 1045 on Tuesday, just said, awkward. (laughs) A few minutes later at 1059, he sends another tweet, nah, it's not me, I don't think. LOL, I'm on here trying to find out just like you. And then at 11.02, three minutes later, he says, man, I'm safe. I ain't get traded. Clearly, the poor guy is trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah. by the way, he did get traded. And that's just a real bad look for a team that, I, in my opinion, doesn't need many more bad looks. You know? Not only that, but the last I heard, they hadn't been in touch with Kirk Cousins either. You know, like they just traded for his replacement, signed him to a four-year deal, and didn't bother to talk to the quarterback that they already have. Yeah, that's. That, do you have any idea, any guesses where Cousins might land? What any thoughts on that? There's a, some possibilities. Obviously, the the Browns, the Jets come to mind. The Bills, I suppose, could be in play. The, the Bills, Cardinals. What's what's where's your money on? The Bills seem like a long shot to me, just because of how tight they are up against the cap. And he would basically take up all the money that they have to spend. You know, look, they're going to dump Tyrod Taylor and save $10 million there. So maybe that could happen. I, I wouldn't be against it, but I just don't see it. I think probably the Denver Broncos are the most likely spot. They're a little bit tight in the cap situation too, but they have some veterans that they can get rid of. I think both their starting wideouts are free agents. They're going to move Aqib Tlaib. But... um. You know, I just feel like John Elway has been looking for that quarterback there. They're a team that's, aside from the quarterback position, really built to win. Denver just makes a lot of sense to me. Possibly Arizona. Look, Arizona wants Larry Fitzgerald to come back, but he's not going to come back to play for a rebuilding year under a rookie quarterback. If Larry Fitzgerald's going to come back, they're going to need to bring in a veteran quarterback that they can win with right away. So they would make sense to me. The Jets have a ton of money to spend. The Vikings have a ton of money to spend. Kirk Cousins has said that the money is important, but not as important as having a chance to win. So you would think that would rule out the Jets and the Browns. The Vikings, it would be kind of a bold move since they have three quarterbacks of their own entering free agency. But to me, it's got to be probably Broncos or Vikings. You know, I kind of admire Kirk Cousins for not giving in. Look, we can debate whether or not he's worth the kind of money that he was asking for, but he stood firm in his stance and He's about to get paid for it because there's a lot of teams out there looking for a quarterback. I thought the first year the Redskins gave him the franchise tag, 
I agreed with him. You know, he was still unproven, albeit he had a ton of talent. But the second year, I thought as though they probably shouldn't have negotiated a deal or given him what he wanted or, or just let him go to see if he can get that money elsewhere. Who knows? Maybe he won it. And uh, boy, I think, tell you, I think there's little doubt he's going to get it now. He's He's going to get paid. He's going to get rewarded, in essence, for his unwillingness to compromise. Life is filled with compromises. We make choices every day that require us to compromise or to give something as a result. For instance, you want a candy bar. You're going to have to give up the dollar that's in your pocket. You can't have both. Some compromises such as that are insignificant, but there are others that will change our lives from that point forward. And when we come to those times of decisions, it is imperative that we make godly choices. The Bible talks about blessings that come from not being willing to compromise on God's standards. Psalm 119 verses 1 through 5 says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their hearts. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. If you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, then there should be no compromise, and you should stand firm in the decision you originally made to seek him with all your heart and to walk in his ways. Though the devil calls to you, he wants to tempt you, you don't compromise because it's God's voice that we're following. John eight forty seven says, He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you're not of God. And John ten twenty seven says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In life, there's going to be constant attempts by the enemy to get us to lower our guard. The devil wants for God's people to conform to the world standards because it compromises their integrity. It brings into question their reputation. However, as difficult and as tough as those times may be, those times of temptation, we don't have to compromise. We can stand firm, and God himself has promised to help us when we face those times of testing. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. But there's a difference between being a believer in Christ and facing a temptation or, or maybe even falling for the moment and getting yourself up and brushing yourself off and being and, and not being a believer at all. For the believer, like I said, they pick themselves up, they brush themselves off, they, they, they seek forgiveness from God, they repent of their actions, and they move forward. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. You know, we can't allow ourselves to get stuck in the past. We can't, the past failures, the past discouragement, if we if we allow ourselves to just be, be held down by those things, we'll never move forward. We'll never see the new things that God has for us. But there are those who profess to be Christians, yet their lives are not at all in keeping with the Bible. Their lives are a compromise of what they, compl- they say they claim to be their biblical beliefs, but yet they're living like the world around them. They're enjoying the same sins as those 
that don't even know Christ. For them, the things of the world are more important than the things of God. Our preacher said Wednesday night in church, he said, you know, a, a good goal for the believer would be to narrow that gap between what we say are our biblical beliefs and the practicality of how we live life every day. That that gap, how we live life, ought to more reflect what we say we believe than oftentimes it does. First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. I read that verse a few moments ago where Jesus said in John 10, 27, that my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But he also gives the other side of the story there in that passage as well. If you do not believe, well, then you're not one of his, his own. John 10, 26 but says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Many want the peace of knowing that when they die, they're going to go to heaven. But that only comes with knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Acts 4.12 tells us that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Many want to have Jesus, but they want to have the world as well. But it doesn't work that way. You you got to choose. You, you have to figure out which is going to be your priority. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Heaven is available to those who follow Christ, those who make that decision to be a Christian. And you can know that when you die, you have eternal life. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28 says, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. As Christians, there should be no compromise when it comes to sinning against God. But of course, we know there is, and we do sin, and we do mess up, which is why we have to rely on the righteousness of Someone who never did slip up. Someone who never did sin against God. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ has already paid the price of our sins. He's already done it. He lived a life without ever sinning, and then he gave his life on a cross. Carrying on that cross, your sins, my sins, and the sins of the whole world. He was buried. He rose again three days later because he has the power over death, and you can have that power over eternal death by placing your trust in him. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to help you repent from those sins. Tell him you believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died and then rose again the third day. First John one nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10.9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, 
resulting in salvation. If you've done that today, we'd be encouraged to know about it. I tell you, send us a note through our website, btgprogram.com, or perhaps something you just heard has caused you to think and you need a little more information, you can visit that same website, btgprogram.com. we got plenty of Bible verses there that can help you understand how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior, how you can know that when you die, you will go to heaven. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game Program. Here is the Red Hawks recap for this week, covering the week up through January 31st. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. A pair of wins last Sunday for the Roberts Wesleyan basketball teams over Mercy College. First, the women got 20 points from senior Lucy Kovley, and then 17 from sophomore Emily Miller to go along with her single-game career-high 18 rebounds in their 77-53 win. On the men's side, junior Justin Vaughn's 14 points led the Red Hawks to a 75-72 win, moving them to 14-6 on the season, which is their highest win mark since the 2010-2011 season. The men's and women's swim teams held their second home meet of the season last Saturday, and though both teams lost to SUNY Oswego, they did set eight school records in the process. Junior Joshua Moore set two records for the men, one each in the 50- and 100-yard freestyles. Senior David Ullman set a new record time in the 100-yard breaststroke. And fellow senior Ryan Hardy set a new time in the 200-meter breaststroke. For the ladies, it was freshman Anna Vorderbruggen setting program records in the 50- and 100-yard freestyles, while two other freshmen also set records, Cami Perry in the 100-yard backstroke and Julia Barnwell in the 200-meter backstroke. In track and field at the Spire Midwest Open in Geneva, Ohio, senior Chelsea Hayward turned in a first-place finish in the 60-meter and set a new program record at the same time. That new time in the event ranks her seventh in NCAA Division II and number one in NCCAA. There's no home competitions for Roberts Athletics until the women's lacrosse team kicks off its season by hosting Merrimack College Monday, February 12th at 3 p.m. You can see the full schedule of games at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you can also get news, scores, game highlights, much more. And you can also follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. The Redhawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. I don't know whether to continue on with the segment or to come over there and start boxing you. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> That's what you just want to do, right? You just want to punch somebody in the head every time. Yeah, you, hear you know, it. or start punching a side of beef or something. Adrian! BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. Sports talk without the trash talk. Let's get into it, Zach. This week's shenanigan statements. You got them all set. Let's have them. All right. After the Milwaukee Brewers added outfielders Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain last week, 
We assumed that they would immediately look to trade some of their surplus outfield depth for pitching, but instead the Brewers have floated the idea of using star left fielder Ryan Braun to fill their need at second base. Truth or shenanigans, Ryan Braun will be a second baseman in 2018. I say shenanigans. Although I, he, he may try a game or two in spring training, but I just don't, at this stage of his career, see him switching back. It's one of those things that I think he may have said, you know, I'll play anywhere but third. Mm-hmm. And he didn't mean that anywhere, really. He just meant I'm not playing third. It's kind of <laughs> like when I say I'll eat anywhere but Panera. That's not what I mean. Have you ever eaten a Panera? Yeah, it's okay. Is it? No, I, I think it's like all women. That's all I I, I was going to say, you know, since I'm a grown man, I have trouble eating there because I'm still hungry when I'm done. But Still a lot of moves, a, little, a lot of signings still to be made. I, I think the Brewers still move some of their outfield depth for pitching. No, I don't see them playing the infield. I, I, I don't see it. I say shenanigans as well, which is kind of a bummer because that would be really fun for fantasy baseball. But, I mean, like you're talking about, there are second basemen to be had. There's a lot of free agents unsigned. The Phillies are looking to trade a second baseman. The Marlins are looking to trade Starling Castro. The Brewers can find a second baseman if they want to, and they do need pitching. I I think they're trying to act like they're not desperate to trade an outfielder for starting pitching, but they are, and I think everybody knows it. I think sooner rather than later, you're going to see Domingo Santana get traded for a starting pitcher. Number two, after the Marlins acquired several legit prospects in the Christian Yelich trade, public perception of the Marlins front office should be much more positive than what it has been since Derek Jeter and company took over. I agree. They did real well in mm-hmm. that deal. I, You obviously knew some of those prospects right off the bat. I had to do a little research, read up on something. They did well. I think it was unfair to judge the Marlins on one or two moves. They have a plan, and those were those moves that they made, those early moves, were part of a bigger picture. The fans, the players may not like it, but the reality is, you know what? Some of those big contracts just made it impossible for – makes it impossible for teams to build contenders around those huge contracts. Miami does not have the resources, say the Dodgers, the, the Red Sox, the Yankees have. Fair or not, that's how it is. I don't think it was fair to judge them on on just one or two early moves. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, They should be more positive now. Yeah, I really liked the package of prospects that they got from Milwaukee. Lewis Brinson and Monty Harrison especially are power speed guys that could be fixtures in that outfield for a decade or so. And, you know, look, like you said, they have a plan. I feel like they kind of came in and ripped the Band-Aid off quickly you know, by trading literally their entire starting outfield and their all-star second baseman, but they freed up a ton of cash. They've actually started infusing real prospects into a system that was pretty barren. Um, It's going to take some time, but what they're doing is necessary. So I agree that the public perception should hopefully be starting to come around. The Calgary Flames have officially assigned NHL legend Yaramir Yager to HC Kladno in the Czech League. Truth or shenanigans, Yager will be back with yet another NHL team. What do you think, Zach? I think no. I think this might be it. You know, he's, what is he, 45 now? He's, you know, well past the age where guys are retiring. He's suffered some injuries. He's doesn't have much speed left anymore. I could see him playing overseas for a while just because he loves to play hockey, but I just don't see where he fits in the NHL anymore. Yeah, I 
agree with you when I say shenanigans that he'll be back with another NHL team, unless one of those teams is desperate for an attendance draw, which he would be, but mm-hmm. you got to wonder if he would even stoop to that. He has He's had an amazing career, but as you say, he is 45, and he's not Gordie Howe. Yeah. You know, what with Gordy Howe playing 51 years old or whatever he was, he had only one goal and six assists in 22 games with Calgary. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame, but his playing days in the NHL, I'm afraid, are over. Just the fact that every team in the league could have claimed Yager had they wanted to. His contract mm-hmm. was very affordable. They didn't take him. Mm-hmm. That kind of tells you something right there. I think so. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman spent some time over the weekend talking about possibly adding another expansion team. And then a report came out on NHL.com that a potential ownership group in Seattle has nearly finished their expansion application. So truth or shenanigans, there will be an NHL franchise in Seattle soon. I agree. I I think there will be. I'm not sure there should be, but I think there will be. This year's expansion team in Las Vegas has been doing well. um, But then again... They've been winning, which explains mm-hmm. why they're doing well in attendance. There are teams not drawing well. I'm talking about places like Miami, Phoenix, uh, Carolina, and even the Islanders have been a terrible draw. Now, I, I think there will be a team in Seattle. I just don't think they should. I, I'd rather see teams. I'd rather see teams that aren't drawing well relocated. And I, I don't yes. like relocation. I really don't. But there are a lot of teams, and there's teams not doing well that. You need to address that situation, but they won't because there are teams like Seattle or or places like Seattle with ownership groups willing to give Mm -hmm. the league the kind of money, the absurd amount of money that they're asking for an expansion. And it went up again this year. It's 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 ridiculous money. I think there will be an expansion team partly because of what you said, how much money the league makes off expansion. Also, the fact that under Gary Bettman's tenure as commissioner, the league has really pushed expansion into new markets. Um, Like you, I agree with the statement, although I do think it would be better to move a struggling team like an Arizona Coyotes, who's in a market that just doesn't really seem to support hockey. But I agree as well. Buffalo Bills center Eric Wood announced this week that he has been diagnosed with a career-ending neck injury, Having another hole to fill on the offensive line now means that the Bills can't afford to trade away picks to move up in the draft for a quarterback. Let's hear your thoughts. I don't think it necessarily means that, um, so I'll say shenanigans, partly because the team seems to really like his backup, Ryan Groy. Um, A year ago, he got a $3.25 million offer sheet from the Rams, which the Bills matched to keep him. Three and a quarter million seems like a lot of money to pay your backup center. So I'm assuming the team really likes him. If the replacement is already on the roster, then you don't have to draft one high. So I'll say it doesn't mean that, but I do think they'll want to draft one later in the draft. I still think as the Buffalo Bills, if there's a quarterback within striking distance that you think is the guy, trade what you have to do to go get him. I'm with you. We're on the same page here. I say shenanigans. I think on the surface it would seem that maybe they can't afford to trade away picks, but it's easier to find a lineman let go by somebody else than it is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's easier to get a decent lineman later in the draft than it is a quarterback. If the Bills are convinced that Tyrod Taylor is good enough to take them to the next level, then they can stand pat and use those picks. But testing out Nathan Peterman last year told you mm-hmm. they're not sold on Tyrod Taylor, and I just don't see what options they have apart from trying to work a deal 
to get a better situation at quarterback. And if they have to part with some picks, as you say, in the later rounds, they should probably still be able to find a replacement there if they decided they needed one. Agreed. That's going to do it for shenanigans. Come on back after the break. We're going to talk a little football, a little more football, I should say. The Super Bowl weekend is here. We're going to talk about the New England Patriots and that amazing system they have. Do they have the most talented players in the league? I don't think they do. Do they have the best system? I think quite clearly. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem, covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Welcome back in. Glad you could join us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm here with Zach Barletta, talking sports from a faith-based point of view, giving you some things that I know you're not going to hear on other sports talk radio programs and hopefully using these things to encourage you a little bit along the way. Were you watching the big game, Zach? You got any big plans? Maybe a big party you didn't bother to invite me to? No, I think we're probably just going to be watching it at home. Because I got two little kids that are going to have to go to bed at like the end of the first quarter, so I think we're just going to stay home. I'll make nachos. My wife and I usually just watch it at home. We have a small group, as you know. We get together every other Sunday night for our Bible study, but we scheduled around the game, figuring that, Somebody's going to invite us over, but apparently they don't want us around either. It must be something the way my wife watches football, the way she uh, conducts herself, uh, the yelling, the screaming, the carrying on. It must be pe- <laughs> people people don't like and it. And the Raiders aren't even in it. This game can't come soon enough for me. And not because I want to see the game necessarily or I want to see Justin Timberlake, but it means that, A, we're one step closer to baseball. Yeah. And, B... 
it brings an end to the worst week of sports coverage of the entire year. Yeah. At some point, there's nothing more to talk about, as evidenced by they going around at that media day, that oh what do they gosh, call it, yeah. opening night. That is the most awful thing. That They're just asking the most absurd things. Nothing sports really. As a sports fan, I want to know sports. That's why mm-hmm. I turn into sports radio. If you're going to be asking how to make Bill Belichick laugh, does he like to be tickled? Is I'm not interested in this yeah. stuff. I don't want to hear you ask my favorite player, like, what kind of sandwich would he be if he was a sandwich? <laughs> I'm just not interested in that. I want to know about the X's and O's of the game. And I can't stand the whole radio row thing either. And no, I'm not bitter that we're not invited. You know, of course, I would go if we were. But I don't think I'd record our show from there. Maybe because we're a weekly show. Mm-hmm. But those daily shows become hideous after a while. You have the same guests showing up, going from station to station to station, Mm -hmm. and they're introduced the same way because they have some product or some thing that they're promoting, which has written a script. This is how he'll be promoted on behalf of whatever they're doing. It's, It's the same. Every show ends up sounding exactly the same. I like the competition. I like the sports coverage. That's what I want from sports radio. That's what I want from my sports television. I don't I really don't care about the halftime shows, the pregame shows, the whatever other shows where they roll out musicians who will make their tired, predictable, gratuitous statements about politics. You know you can't wait to see Justin Timberlake. Hip-hop Rick is excited about this. There is something about Justin Timberlake that's entertaining. He's humorous. He's – I've seen movies that he was in. He's good. I but I'm not interested in his halftime show. Well, last time he was in the halftime show, there was a wardrobe malfunction. So that was pretty interesting. Was that the last time he was in it? Yeah. Was that the Janet Jackson thing? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a while ago now, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. I mean, is it just me or am I being an old fart when it comes to that sort of stuff? No, I think you're dead on. I, you know, I look, the halftime show is going to be a big spectacle. That's all it is anymore. It's a spectacle. The The week leading up to it, Every possible storyline gets completely overdone. The interviews are stupid. It's, it's aside from the actual game itself. You're right. It's one of the worst weeks in sports. Yeah, I just I don't care for it. Get off my lawn. It seems we talk about this every year. The Patriots are so good at getting those guys that got cast off from other places and then plugging them in into their system and getting great results. Mm-hmm. Like them or hate them, the Patriots are the best at it. Adding key guys who bring a little leadership, maybe fill a specific need. And it also seems like we say this every year. It'll be interesting to see how the Patriots proceed as they start thinking about the post-Tom Brady era. Mm -hmm. The guy's going to be a 40-year-old starting quarterback. The only one who ever started at 40 or older in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's 40 now, so that means they've only got like 10 more years to find a replacement. He played at a great high level all year, but at some point, you can't keep doing what he's doing, right? You would think so. I mean, I think we were saying this when he was like 35. We're like, well, the end's in sight. You got to I know. It seems like we say that every single year. Yeah. I mean, eventually, physics has got to catch up with Tom Brady, right? I mean, you can't just keep slinging the ball around until he's 50 or Kenny. I guess we'll find out. I'm not minimizing talent, obviously. We talk about plugging into the system there, but obviously to be successful as they have, they they have talent. 
But do you think the Patriots, as having the most talented players in the league, I, I usually don't. They have a system that seems to work. I can't think of any other team in all of sports that is less dependent on the talent of their players as they are the system. Now, again, understand. I understand they have talented players. But even you take a guy like Tom Brady, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league. No. I, he was not the most accurate passer. He doesn't have the strongest arm. But he does have that something that sets him apart, mm-hmm. that ability to take over a game that you saw in Michael Jordan, that you saw in Wayne Gretzky. The only other team that I can think of offhand might be the San Antonio Spurs that depend not as much on talent. But the Patriots are there year after year, regardless of who, who's on their roster. That's just amazing to me. Yeah, the other team that comes to mind when you talk about that is the um, the Detroit Red Wings that made the playoffs, like, what, 21 straight years or something like that, that just they had the few the key players down the middle and then, you know, they had the role players around them that just did their jobs. But you're right. You know, it seems like players cycle in and out of New England all the time. The Patriots will trade them away rather a year too early than a year too late and continue to cycle players through. And it seems like they have specific types of players that they like and they bring them in and they always seem to work out. A couple of weeks ago, or maybe even last week, we were, when we were talking about the Hall of Fame, we got to talking about Jack Morris, you and I, and there's a guy who's finally getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame that people who didn't see him play may find themselves wondering why. You look at his statistics, they're not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But Jack Morris was one of those guys that in a big game, everything's on the line. You wanted him on the mound because he just had what Tom Brady has, that ability to to put a team on his shoulders and just almost will it to victory Jack Morris had that. Uh, he has that mental edge, that toughness. If you never saw him play, you probably couldn't identify what makes him so great. Yeah, and, you know, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess, because, you know, myself looking at Jack Morris's numbers, they don't look Hall of Fame worthy at all to me. But I think, like you said, I didn't get to see him play. So there is something to be said for maybe you don't have the numbers at the end of your career that you would expect, but there's something to be said for being one of the dominant players of your generation, which Jack Morris apparently was. Jesus Christ had a system that didn't depend on talent, doesn't depend on talent, and that system ended up changing the entire world. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same thing that makes a team successful, an organization successful, is the same thing which strengthens a church, and that's disciple-making, regardless of what you call it. In fact, if you show me a healthy, growing church, I'm going to be able to show you at least some evidence of a focused discipleship program, an intentional discipleship program. I'm not talking about one person in the church who goes around teaching everybody else what it is that they like, what their preferences are. We're not talking about cloning sheep. What I'm talking about is somebody who teaches others not to model them, but to model Jesus Christ. Think about think about the system Jesus had for a moment. He taught 12 key people, things like love, compassion, forgiveness, other Christ-like characteristics. And those 12 people pass them on to other people who pass them on to others. And 2,000 years later, here we are, and that teaching is still the most significant teaching on the planet. Second Timothy 2.2 says, 
The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Jesus' specific command wasn't necessarily to make converts. His command was to make disciples. Now evangelism is part of it, but that's just the beginning. The idea behind the, uh, the concept of a, of a disciple is that of a student, that of a follower. And Jesus tells the story of a sower, somebody who sows seeds. And the parable is found in Matthew chapter 13. It's also found in Mark chapter 4, also Luke chapter 8. Basically, there are seeds being planted in different types of soils. In one type, the seed just fell along the side and birds came and ate it up. In another, it was on rock and the heat of the day, the sun got too intense. And though it sprouted, it quickly withered away. In another type of ground, there was many many thorns, many weeds, and you know what weeds do in a garden, chokes out the plant, and that's what happened to the seedling. But those seeds which were put into good, fertile soil, well, they grew. They thrived. They produced fruit. Jesus explains that parable. He says that the seeds along the way were like the Word of God. When somebody hears it, but they have no interest in it, the devil sort of just snatches it up before it even has a chance to reach the hearer's heart. The seed that fell on the ground They're like people who hear the Word of God, and they agree with it, and they accept it, but then the heat of life gets too intense, and though they start out on fire, they they fade away because they can't handle—they're not firmly grounded. They're not firmly rooted, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And then there are the thorns, the distractions of the world, which they just increase, and and they choke out the Word. Busyness, uh, people that— their time with God, their prayer time gets less and less and less as other things begin to take priority and choke it out. But for those people who get nourished, uh, they get discipled, they get taught, they get fed, they get watered, they get taken care of, those people thrive. And that is what disciple making is all about. And if you're a mature believer in Christ, you should always have somebody you or, or maybe somebody's that you're investing in, that you're uh, actively taking part in their life. If you're a new believer in Christ or someone who has maybe never really grown in your faith, you find yourself just sort of floundering, perhaps you'd benefit from being discipled, coming along someone who's going to show you how to use your unique talents for the good of the faith. Maybe you don't even know what your talents are. Now, there's some humility involved there, going to somebody who is going to teach you and saying, can can you help me? Obviously, there's some humility. But remember, you're not going to somebody who has it all figured out. You're going to somebody that's in a position to help, maybe because of their having been uh, a Christian for many years or uh, their vast Bible knowledge. Let me leave you with this. Successful sports teams, successful organizations, well, they have disciple-making programs. Again, they don't call it that. They might call it a development program. They might call it a mentoring program, but it's a disciple-making program. Introducing a person to Christ and then helping them to grow strong in the faith, that's a discipleship program. If your church doesn't have such a plan, I'd encourage you to talk to your pastor. Maybe you can start one, a system to help believers grow into strong mature followers of Jesus Christ. They bear fruit. They cast light that's evident to the world around them of a life that's been changed by the power of God. Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty, 
you will know them by their fruits. Now, be honest in your heart for just a moment. Think about your life. Is there clear fruit? Is it evident to others? Can people tell that you're a person of faith without you having to tell them that you go to church? Jesus then says in verse 21 that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. He goes on to describe people who taught the Bible, people who thought they were Christians, but they never they never really knew God in their heart. They were never sincere in their heart. Perhaps it was just a job or just a way to get noticed. And be, being a Christian in it's a relationship with God that's rooted in your heart. It's not a job. It's not a tradition that you've inherited from your family. It's not something you do just to be part of something. It's a relationship with God that really is the motivation behind everything you do. If you don't have a faith, which is clearly developing fruit, if it's your glory you're seeking and not God's, then maybe you should consider being part of a discipleship program. If we can help, please contact us through our website, btgprogram.com. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. We'll be back right after this. Let's face it. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes we can even get caught up in habits that are hard to break. That hurt can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are struggling with pain or addiction due to such things as drinking, cutting, pornography, eating disorders, troubled family dynamics, and more. Hundreds of students from middle school age to college age have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed as a result. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 to 2.30 p.m. in the Auditorium Theater in Rochester. And of course, it's absolutely free of charge. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-HOPE. That's 585-723-4673 and ask for Jill. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. What I like this week is a story of one athlete sharing and sympathizing with another. After finding out the Texas basketball star and NBA prospect Andrew Jones has been diagnosed with leukemia, D3 player Nick Paquette reached out to share his own story of battling disease. Like Jones, Paquette plays guard at Division Three SUNY New Paltz and has been battling leukemia for the past year. He arranged with Yahoo Sports to post an open letter in which he shared of the effects he suffered leading up to his diagnosis and his fears upon learning that it was leukemia. Paquette said in his letter that what assured him, despite being bedridden, was that doctors were always optimistic. 
but says it was challenging because he couldn't find any other basketball players his age who had overcome leukemia and had rejoined their teams. Thus the letter to try to encourage Jones in his fight. He concluded the note by saying, quote, it's all about progressing every day and taking baby steps toward your goal. Obviously, there will be some tough days, but push through them. Don't let leukemia stop you from doing something that you love. The care and concern of Nick Paquette for a fellow leukemia patient and basketball player is what I like this week. What I liked this week was the Pro Bowl. Just kidding, that thing is crap. But (laughs) But what I did like was actually something Patriots quarterback Tom Brady did which is a sentence I never, ever expected to say. Brady cut short the weekly radio interview he was doing on a New England network because one of the network's radio personalities called Brady's five-year-old daughter, quote, an annoying little pissant. Brady has stated that he will evaluate whether or not he will continue to make appearances on that station, but he said that no child deserves to have things like that said about them, which is exactly right. So Tom Brady standing up for his five-year-old daughter is what I liked this week. Thanks for being with us this week. This has been the Beyond the Game program. If you want to know more about our show, visit the website, btgprogram.com. You'll find information about us. You'll be able to listen to past broadcasts. And if something we said has encouraged you or caused you to think this week, there's information on the website about how you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and know him as your personal Savior. And you can also make a donation to this radio ministry. We don't like to talk about it. But the program is mainly listener-supported, and so we need the support of listeners like you to be able to do what we do, which is bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. And don't forget to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. Our producer, Zach Barletta, along with his brother Spencer, put in, man, they put in a ton of work to share with you some very cool stories. Give them a listen. Myth and Mysteries It's available on iTunes and Google Play, or visit their website, MythAndMysteriesPod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Everybody.